Good afternoon, good afternoon, good afternoon. It's time for another KG Fifth Water Wildcat and Doc podcast. Fellas, how are you? I'm ready to talk today. Good. Doc, how are well. you? Yeah, a lot of things on the plate. All right, let's let's get the Let's get the final stuff. Get the NBA final stuff out of the way first. Um, thoughts? Is it is it leg cramp? Gate? Is it Spurs? Hell no. Spurs were just better in the fourth quarter. Hell no. Hell no. What it boils down to is, while he was on the floor, they was winning. When he went to the sidelines, they lost leads and they couldn't hold on. And I blame that loss on his teammates. His teammates, not on him. Back in the day, everybody knows Boston Garden did not have AC. The Lakers played their finals in a almost 100-degree type building that was set up for hockey only and not basketball in the old guard. Am I wrong? You are correct, I mean, sir. So all this about cramp this, cramp that, Jordan this, Jordan that, it boils down to his teammates couldn't hold on without him being on the floor, period, no matter what happened to him. Anything could have happened, and they still lost that game. Doc, you're a Heat fan. What, you got, what, what say you? Yeah, I mean, I think it would be it would be little what took place to not understand the true dynamics of what what is going on. The first thing I'll do it outside of being a Heat fan, I will look at it from a business perspective. When you're in a business where you're playing people millions of dollars, you're playing coaches millions of dollars, you have a million dollars of contracts, and you have this issue of inappropriate conditions to the arena. I think that says a lot. And I think that's a serious thing. The problem that happened that it happened shortly before the game, which is ironic, and they felt that they needed to play the game because it's on television. Let's be truthful. Uh, outside of that, they had a similar situation when you look at uh, with San Antonio involved in Mexico in terms of a smoke in the arena. If it wasn't a big deal that you could just play in any condition, they would have played that game. But it wasn't at the height of commercialism in terms of the program. So they just canceled the game. They didn't even make the game up. They, back in there, they put it back to the states and made it up later. Exactly. So they let you know that there are some situations conducive in terms of how you play the game. Now, this is not to take anything away from uh, San Antonio Spurs and what they were able to do as a team, but I think it does give more credence to how important LeBron James is in terms of the structural components of the Miami Heat, and he does so much. It also benefited San Antonio that they are a deeper team. And so if you're in a condition where players need to be more conditioned and you have the ability to rotate out players and give them breaks, that's going to be to your benefit in that situation. So they took advantage of the situation and did what any team would do. They're going to utilize what they do best. And in this case, it worked out for them. And for Miami, with a team that has shortened their rotation in terms of what they do in the playoffs, it was a disadvantage because you needed players to take more breaks. So I do agree with you from the standpoint that because that's normally what they do, you really needed your team to step up more. And they didn't. But I think. With the way games are played now, and Chris, I think you're aware of this more than anybody, as much as you really um, watch basketball, write about basketball in every component, particularly at the professional level now, you know that strategy is that much more important a part of the game than ever before. Some people would say it may be even over 
coached or overanalyzed. I'm one of those. So if that's the case, whether you agree with it or not, you know it is a component of the game. So you know taking out somebody of LeBron James' level at a crucial part of the game is much more difficult to manufacture what you're going to do than any other time in basketball history or at lower levels because he's such a key coach. And it's interesting. I didn't really see anybody talk about this in game five of the Indiana Pacers and Miami game. In that game, it was because LeBron got in foul trouble. But that was one of the few times that George was able to get off. Oh, yeah. And why? Mm -hmm. And the reason was is because a lot of the time LeBron covered him. So that tells you, again, the skill level that people are overlooking in terms of what LeBron brings to the table is not only does is he able to do it on the offensive side, and that's both score points and get other people in the in the game, even if that means giving them open shots because he's uh, people are co- converging on him as he's going to a basket or having the ball. And the same thing happened this game. He would switch the players. When Ginobili got hot, he switched to him. He kind of shut him down. When Green got hot. He switched to him. What did he do? He shut him down. That's that's how good LeBron is, <laughs> yeah. despite all the the hate and bitterness people throw at him. For which is which is silly because the last thing I would do this, which is also a component not necessarily sports, but the sports science sign. I think it's unfortunate that a lot of people, and we've done this uh, by putting terms out there as cramps, and what you have is people really don't understand it because the Real terminology is paralysis. And so, essentially, when you're doing this, you're talking about that you can't move. People are thinking about little cramps. They might get getting up in the bed and stuff like that. We're not talking about that extensive a cramp. We're talking about major cramps and paralysis. And every professional player that spoke on this issue said that that's one thing that you can't play through. It's not like an injury hurt. Some people had kind of jumped on board at first. They wasn't sure what it was, so they questioned. But once they realized that, no, this was cramp, every per- man to a person, to even women, said, oh, no, that's a whole different thing. You can't do nothing about it. So, again, the final thing I'll put on this, unfortunately, I think as the salaries have gotten very high, whether that's from players to coaches to owners and GM, the more that what we'll call fans or traditional people have then moved apart. So what we have essentially done is dehumanize sports people. And so anytime you dehumanize somebody, it's easier to characterize them in a negative capacity. And that's the last part I'll leave. You know, playing sports, that's a part of it. Uh, That's one of the things that you hope doesn't happen in the middle of a game or in any situation on any level. And folks, those of us that have that have gotten those uh, during practice on the middle of a game, when that happened to him, I understood where he went and where his mindset went. And Doc, as you just mentioned, money is a big part of the uh, professional game these days. These are high-priced athletes, and when something goes wrong, you shut them down. But the, the hate, oh, not is, is jealousy. Yeah, and that's where it's from. It's the I don't think if, money. That had to, if that had to happen to anybody else that was involved in that game, it would have been as much. They would have accepted it and moved on. But because of who it was, 
They basically said, oh, no, he's got to play through that. And I don't want him sitting on the bench. I don't want him going to the locker room or anything. I want, you, want him back on the floor. And coaches, Who was it? Uh, there were fans and all that that, oh, yeah. that went right, off the deep end and all and just hate, said, Haterade basically, he shouldn't have, he should have shut down. And, but notice, after the game, Eric Spolster said LeBron wanted to go back in the game, and he told him no. So, I mean, that's point blank. The fans will say what they want to say, but the reality is LeBron right. wanted to go in there, yeah. even if he was just hobbling around the floor. Right, and, and I think, told him I no. think as things get further from people's memory, they also misinterpret things. People tried to compare, compare the flu to the cramp, and when they were intellectually told about it, some of them backed up. But a lot of times, you also have people, as you said, jealousy or just able to vent. But I'm the connotation I want to put this in from a sociological uh, sporting context is the fact that essentially that since these people are paid so far out of stratosphere, which is part of the jealousy, and other issues is the fact that we've dehumanized. Yeah, and when true. you dehumanize somebody, and we always bring this back to context, it's the same thing when you had Africans held as slaves in the United States. One of the things they did was dehumanize individuals that were held as slaves. Why? Because if you dehumanize somebody and make them less than human, it's more difficult for people to challenge them. And it's easier for you to have negative association with them. So this is not something I'm just making up. This is things in context that are on the books that actually show your framework. And we can get down to it and just talk about it in layman terms, which is essentially terminology we use as jealousy, as you said, or people frustrated that people are living a, a style of life that's unfortunate for them. They really can't. And so they play through it the same way sometimes with stars how or entertainment figures, they do that. But it's that same component of life, and I just want to call it out. Well, thankfully, the, the air conditioning has been prepared, so game two is Sunday. Evening. I would have left it just like it was. And uh, both teams should be healthy and at their like maximum top level and compete. I don't think you do that. When you got fans playing those kind of ticket prices, the last thing you want to do is, yeah, maybe you let your – Athletes play through it or whatever, but at the highest level, you want to take away any type of excuse for people playing the game. And the last thing you want is fans in the stands sweating with the fans, paying a thousand dollars on the ticket. Let me, let me throw this out. I read this this morning. Go uh, ahead. Uh, CBS Sports NBA writer uh, Ken Berger talked to uh, not even about he talked to, but the mention of all of it was so hot. Everybody knows that everything LeBron wears. The on his legs, you know, the undershirt, jersey kind of stuff. Do you think the trainers or somebody should have told him, take that stuff off, man? Because cause some of those, the legging stuff is, that's not really the wick kind of stuff where you cool, you sweat in the body. The air cools you off. That's supposed to help him keep him warm. We're already warm. You're hot. But it, it, it's... And he, and he, this is somebody who's who had leg cramps before. So he's not right. I understand that, you know, but I but, think but, it's really, I think it's really less about what he wears. I understand what you're saying. There's some component in terms of his body type first. And there are even some thought process out there that cramps is associated, uh, in terms of muscle paralysis mm -hmm. is associated with body type. 
and even some people are talking about geno uh, muscle configurations in terms of your genes. But when you start looking at this great man, when you start looking at somebody's <laughs> body and muscle type, his muscle type is just like the blessing and the curse. Yes. There's a lot yeah. of things about his size, body type, and muscle that allows him to do certain body things. Body fat, now that yeah, body fat, lean. That's the way he's made. Yeah, the way he's made. The way he was yeah. made mm-hmm. is great for some things that he's able to do. But also, like anything, and I've always told people, there's also the positive and negative. The negative component of that is he's probably more susceptible to cramping. Now, even with this thing, a lot of it is in terms of how much fluid he puts in his body. But because he works so furiously and his body lean, it takes up so much more out of him. And it's so difficult in terms of parts of the game to bring it out. Now, again, He's had some components over his life things, but if you look at the number of games he's played, percentage-wise, it's not very big. Unfortunately for him, two of them have been in a time where pretty much all eyes are focused right. on it, so it looks even worse. So I do understand why people have that type of concern, but I'm not sure there's really much you can do to it in terms of what you ask him to do on the court. He does so much. To get that back into him, it's just not theoretically enough time to do it. And I'm sure they're going to try to make sure he has all the fluids before it. And he needs to drink pickle juice. <laughs> yeah, sometimes uh, you just have to go back to the yeah, old, old school. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's shift gears and talk about Rashad McCants. Damn it. That bothered the hell out of me. Well, Wildcat, you're not letting listeners know what it is you, that you're already excited about. So what are you talking M- about, sir? McCants, you know... Another player, I, I know it's going to go back and forth and all, but I'm going to just start where my mindset is right now when I first heard about it and what was going on, and then when I watched the interview. Another college athlete didn't, wasn't ready for the no answer and getting into the league playing professional basketball. And no matter what happened, all these guys got to understand. If you were there about it, about, you know, your athletics, had that mindset from the beginning, and you make the sacrifice. Not your family, not your friends or whatever. You make the sacrifice. You do what you need to do in the classroom, but you put, no. put, the, but for what? But he said, he said he really went to class. See, it wasn't in the classroom to do what he needed to do. He was never there. Well, and you know what? That's still on him. Now it's really on him. Because that means he didn't put time in the gym. He didn't put time at his craft. He wasn't getting better. All he was satisfied with was just playing, going out there every day, showing up to practice, playing in the game, hanging out with his buddies, and doing whatever else. And all he wasn't getting ready for the next level. So, so that, okay, so that so is now, on him. Now you're talking about NBA. Rashad is a, is a tweener, NBA wise. He's, he's not a point guard. He's not big enough and tall enough to be uh, a shooting guard. So he got caught in the mix, and he never really wanted to develop his craft to get better at either one of those positions to stay in the league. And, and that's my point. He's and he's and that's that's basketball point. Doc, we're talking further bricks being thrown at the University of North Carolina academically. Now that's and, before, it, and, it, and it should be. And I don't have a problem y'all dealing with the individual. Okay. But we for too often love to blame the person 
that was involved. Oh, I'm just going. I just, I'm just going me, to have to. I, you did your ball. Let me okay, right. it, then I'll bring it back to okay, you right. to see what you had to say. Okay. But we always like to blame the person that was the victim in my opinion. Now, obviously, there is some personal culpability always. But let's not lose that in the sight that this is a systemic situation that's going on. All of us know about it. We know it happened. But with our love and our zest for our alma maters and we our shamefulness that it takes place and to, to a worse degree, in my opinion, the African-American community, we overlook it. We know that there are billions of dollars being made at the collegiate level sports. And the players that help generate that get nothing. We don't say anything about that. The most that they try to tell us is the fact that they get a scholarship. Well, we say stuff about it on these podcasts. We say stuff about it, but the majority of folks don't. Right. And, and I stand corrected on that. There's very few places that you can get people speaking the truth. And I'm glad that you allowed me to expound on my thoughts here. But as I was saying there with that component is, even if you go with the the fallacy that they're given an opportunity to get an education through a scholarship that, uh, in other people's words, is free, and we say it's exchange for their skill set, is the fact that when you look at the ledger after the case, only 1% of them are going pro. Less than 30% of them are graduating, which means you have a lot more mechanics out there that are not talked about. He's one of the few that goes to the table and says something. The reason they don't, because everybody's going to, discouriate him for this. You even had an African-American sister that was over the academic that said the same thing you said, Jerry, essentially, is that maybe as a freshman they should sophomore, but by your junior year, uh, you're supposed to know your way around the school and you should be serious about your education. I said, well, at what point are we going to deal with all these people that are paid to do what's right? And many of them are paid a lot of good money to and do, do your, what's right. Do your job. Do, do what you were hired right. to do. Do what you hired to do. Better. Do what you hired to do. And if we juxtapose this, where we look at it through the lens of ethnic makeup, 90% of these individuals that are making these millions of dollars don't look like the players that are coming to the table and saying, I'm not getting educated. Now, even if it means that he never should have been allowed to enter in North Carolina because he was not academically prepared, maybe he would have went to a JUCO. Maybe then he would have understood that his skill set of making to the pros was not quite as high as it should be. Maybe that would have created a different disposition in terms of his work ethic. Maybe after he made his way through a JUCO, which would have better prepared him for a college, he could have went to a college. And whether that college would have been as branded as North Carolina, another college, maybe he would have had a chance uh, to better earn his degree so he could be in the public setter better. But we never look at those things. And even if he didn't, maybe his quality of life would have been in a position where his disposition wouldn't have been so negative of being on the conveyor belt that the system has created. That we point the finger back at him and tell him why you didn't do what you were supposed to do. He never was allowed to do what he was supposed to do. He was set up from the beginning. And the thing is, what should get more attention is there, based on his quotes and more research after be done is he wasn't eligible for the championship team. So if they, if North Carolina did some finagling to keep him eligible and that is proven, 
then we got a vacancy coming. Thank you very much. And that's why I'm headed on the next one. Because his grades that were obtained by ESPN outside the line, six C's, one D, and three F's. His, Atrocious. The, the A's that he did Atrocious. get were in the African American studies, which were a sham. Which were. Which is even more sad. And, you know, Doc, yes. I, I, you I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask this question. Why has that subject been allowed to be put on the curriculum? Of schools. And I don't I, want to get lost in that. It's, 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 only reason I'm asking no, is that. It's just a class. I, yeah, it's just a class. Okay. I'm frustrated that it happens to be the case that it was African American studies at North Carolina. They use but that. But do not get it twisted. That's the umbrella. At other universities, it's a different thing. It come, came under the auspices of general studies okay. when it first started at Michigan, when it was actually used for something positive, when people knew they were going to get graduate studies okay. in a Programs such as Michigan may not have that graduate study. Okay. They would allow students to come in and create a study program. For example, somebody knew they might have wanted to go to graduate school to become a biomechanical engineer. And at that time, let's say University of Michigan didn't have it, but they had bioengineering and they had, or they had uh, biology and mechanical engineering. You could take those classes and create the courses that you needed so that when you graduated, you would be eligible to enroll in a graduate class of an institution that did have that particular major at the graduate level. Well, what happened, uh, as often does, I'm listening. Academic, uh, athletic people in that found out that these were majors that had a lot of electives. So they could create a way where they could create eligibilities uh, for players. So they would form them out to easy courses that they could pass to keep them eligible. It necessarily didn't create a degree. That's why you actually had to come up with the APR in the first place. They come up with these things for reasons because things that they had on book were not working. The academic promise rate was created such that they could do a better job of selling to the, the world that they are trying to make sure that athletes graduate. Well, they created this APR with academic progress rate, which makes sure that athletes that had 24 hours at freshman year, 40, 60, 80, moving towards the graduation in a major. Well, what the other thing, institutions, they're further ahead of what the NCAA is and always are. So what they did is they started clustering people in these majors. So they started changing the majors from general studies and creating names so people wouldn't be asking these questions. What is general studies? So you have majors such as forestry. You have, you know, these leadership courses uh, out there that uh, you have at different institutions such as Auburn and Alabama. Alabama A&M, ag leadership type courses, and in Texas, they're the edge leadership courses at uh, Duke Religion, at North Carolina, it's African American Studies. So don't get too caught up in what the major is. I'm just frustrated in terminology of this particular case. But if you want to find out what the area is, go find out where the uh, athletes are clustered at, and you'll find out when you look closely at that major, it's probably a less strenuous major in terms of what athletes are doing, and oftentimes it's a major that has a lot of electives. And you can tell Saturdays, well, anytime a football game is on, when they have the little bio shot of the player, and you'll see where they're clustered when it's general studies or you got Chris eight, eight, of, the, eight of the starters. They didn't caught on to what you, you looked know, at and people started claiming. If you notice now, they don't often say much about that. Right. They don't even mm-hmm. list it no more. You can go to their books. It used to be, you look at books 10 years ago, and they list the majors. Now the books, they don't even list the majors. And I think that's one that's 
So that's one of the reasons why media guys now are not as thick as they used to be. I'll put it out. Yeah, they cut out a lot they, of they, that they, stuff. They, so because they saw people were doing studies and calling them out on what they're doing, so now they further trying to hide it where it's obvious. And so it's more difficult for you to get the information. It used to be out there in the public. You could see listed of their majors. And that's how people started doing the studies. And they started doing studies called clustering of majors. You can Google it up and you can see studies where it show that athletes are 60, 70, sometimes 80% in one major. And so this is nothing new. But other than what we're doing in a few research papers and a couple of articles here and there, Nobody's really looking at the true issue is that you have students that are not prepared to go to college. They're not graduating, but because the money is so big that these coaches, athletic directors, commissioners, and the NCAA overall as a governing body are overlooking it and allowing these students to come in, using them until they can't use them anymore to generate all this revenue. And then they don't graduate. And if they don't go pro, Every once in a while, you're going to have one that is strong enough and convinced by somebody to speak out, but then you're going to fall. Everybody's going to fall in line. Those athletes that are doing well, they're going to be the main ones saying, no, but I got my degree counted. I did my work. And so for every one or two that you have, the other one's going to try to cover it up. Coaches are going to act like they never heard of anything in their life. Athletic directors, he put out a statement that had one line about the kid and the rest of it was about all the other athletes. I laughed. I said, he ain't deal with the issue. He just smoke screened right over it. June 9th, Doc. June 9th is a big deal. NCAA, Ed O'Bannon. It's huge. Talk about it. Oh, I think it's going to be significant. The um, way things are going, I think that the NCAA is scared to death because I think they're going to actually lose this lawsuit. It's going to be interesting to see what level. I think they're prepared to lose this lawsuit. That's why I have so much emphasis on the Big Five, if you would, trying to get autonomy so they can financially find a way if they lose this, to govern themselves differently where they can continue to have the power and move forward. So I think definitely what we see in the current framework of collegiate athletics is going to change. So it's going to be interesting to see how everybody operates after that change. So you have that issue with other O'Bannon coming on, and it's essentially a, a case study that's talking about who has the privilege to own uh, likenesses. In this case, you're talking about the likeness of an athlete. Essentially, NCA had, when you sign the NLI, National Letter of Intent, NLI, yes, National Letter of Intent, you essentially signed off all your rights to that likeness forever. That's right. For perpetuity. Forever, which is ridiculous, and nothing in life uh, has that type of situation. And in this case, at one point, you couldn't even have a lawyer read over this to tell you that's what you were signing off on. Not that it would have changed your mind. Uh, because people are so desperate for scholarships instead of doing it on the academic side, they would have gave the Ray the rights anyway. But now the Ed O'Bannon case is basically calling them to the table and saying that this is not right. So essentially the case at first was about just like the EEA sports game or, or selling shirts. Now it's morphed into the fact that if they, Ed O'Bannon lawyers and Vicario that was part of this also, if they're winning this, it's also talking about the fact now that it's they have the ability to get some of the television revenue that's associated with it. So this is huge, huge in terms of formation uh, of what's going on. And you have some other 
lawsuits right behind this mm-hmm. uh, that will be intriguing as well. You still have the issue with Northwestern and, and how you're going to do Yeah, when will that, when will the, the players vote? When will that be public? It's around, it, it, the law case is in the books and starts around, uh, June as well. So once that case is heard by the federal appeals components of the labor law division, um, then that will be, they'll be read if they follow the case that was stated there. So if they throw it out, then you won't even have to worry about what right. the votes are. But if they amend it and it's three people panel, uh, it's becoming a political issue. A lot of those issues are people of uh, uh, Democratic Party. I think one is Republican. Uh, but they tend to lean more towards uh, of that framework of what the athletes were after, which is unionization. So if that's the case, it should stick. The way it was written, most people that have have been in this type of business say it'll probably be very difficult for the overturn. So now the question is, uh, if they do that, how will this turn out? So let's say the athletes voted against it. Well, now you have it on paper that they could, so it could change that other private institutions would go and, and look for this vote, and maybe they would have a stronger body of players that would vote for it, which again starts to change the game, because now even the state schools that are not um, – Governed by unionization now becomes a a recruiting tool. So a lot of them they would have to match it. So you're coming to the part where, to some degree, I think eventually, at the highest level, BCS players will be able to be paid. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to be able to get around it much longer. When you start looking at all the lawsuits that are on the table, judges are less likely now to just kind of allow the NCAA to do what they want. They're looking at a lot serious. A lot of cases have pushed in this direction. So I think you have a lot more judges that are open to this and don't see this as a, see this more as a collective bargaining uh, agreement and the federal people at, at the national level seeing this different as well. So that's why things are starting to change so much. Let's talk Very about the autonomy and that's the other stuff that the NCA, that well, the Division Four that the Power Five have said, if we don't get autonomy, we're going to pull away and form our own division. Which is ridiculous in myself. This is open rhetoric. If that's essentially, to me, a division four is your way of getting autonomy. So if you can get it by doing division four, why don't you just do it anyway? Well, the reason is there still has to be some voting mechanism. So I, this is just the SEC president looking at the naivety of most people out there and threaten them in a way that as if they don't know that you still got to vote for this. <laughs> so it's circular in its uh, statement and in, in it's all the way anyway. And uh, UCF coach Wildcat. George O'Leary. George O'Leary said it's compared it to the Civil War. Well, he would know. They sound like the South during the Civil War. If they don't get their way, they're going to secede and start their own country. I think college football is in real trouble, end quote. He's late to the game because it's already in trouble. At the end of the day, Doc is, is, has been on top of this for a while. Everybody's been, things have been floating out back and forth. When the big five get ready to make their move, and trust me, they have sat down in private meetings, have had conversations over the telephone. When that day comes, folks are going to be shocked 
at how much and how ready they are to move on and do without. Because they've got the stadiums and all, they've, they've figured out how to put the TV and the, the, uh, the media outlets together, the contra- TV and the uh, radio contracts together, bowl games align- uh, uh, alignment. They pretty much have made a decision and they're ready to move on. And it's going to be a matter of... T- there's, there's one component of that that I'm not sure that they really have a total framework of. There's one major reason why they ask for autonomy and even do the threat of Division Four that that we, to some degree, kind of overlook. It's 65 schools. I'm listening. And what they want is they want the autonomy to really do this for football. That's what happens to be a revenue-generating sport, and they'll deal with that how they like to and want to. But this really is a continuation of a long term argument with who controls football and how do you control the money in football. The only reason that they really don't want to totally move away from the Division One and the other sports is the basketball center. The billion dollars in basketball center. They have that pretty much set up just like they want because even though everybody's involved with it and it creates the entertainment value that television perfectly wants, they get about almost 80% of the money, 78% of that money associated with it. They tend, at the end of the day, basically the big programs are standing. Some may fall to the wayside, but they get a lot of programs in. And so 65 component teams of the autonomy program is just not enough for a tournament that actually held 68 teams now. So that's the problem they have with this, is they want their way but they still want the benefits of partnership of being part of basketball. So that's why they won't totally just move away. And that's why I said to some degree, that's where a lot of them are having problems. And that's why they keep saying, I don't think we're going to have to move away. We really don't want to move away. And that's why. If they could simply move away and have the basketball money in a way that they could get that billion, they would have left yesterday. But But they can't do it. And so that's the component. It really kind of throws a monkey wrench, if you would, in terms of the ideas that you have. Now, trust me, I do agree. They have some plan. Now, what that plan entails, and that's the, I'm, that's the, that's the billion, billion dollar question, question. question right there. Because it's not as easy as we would think it is in terms of them just leaving. And How can folks find you on the internet, Wildcat? They can find me at uh, uh, AKSVDCSR. J.L. Woodley 1 on Twitter, TweetDeck, Blogger, uh, Blogspot.com, uh, and I'm trying to remember where else because I'm all over the place. Uh, uh, I think that's... Uh, Don't you have a surprise if you want to do it now? Oh, well. that is coming. Uh, they, 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 they're... They're in the process of working a schedule and all that for me. I hadn't gotten the, uh, the okay. email back yet. So it's a teaser then right now. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, but it, but once I get enough, you know, they get an, it, it's, they get some things worked out, it'll be a regular basis. All right. Doc, how can folks find you? Get, get in touch with you. Yes, you can find me uh, on uh, social media platforms uh, at the Dr. Kenyatta Caville. That's D-R-K-E-N. Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. Again, that's D-R-K-E-N. 
Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. That's on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. Uh, I get a lot of information that looks at the business, uh, some of it social, political nature, some of it from the Africana diaspora, some of it from just general information on business management. Uh, all those types of information, I follow that and get that information back out to. So I have a lot of connections in the industry. And so if you follow me, you'll get that information uh, as well. So that's the way to get that stuff. If you want to hit me directly, you can send me an email at kcavill at thd-agency.com. Again, it's K-C-A-V-I-L at th-agency.com. And so that's the quickest way. If you want information uh, about the sport management program at Texas Southern University, uh, you can call me directly there, 713-313-1965, 713-313-1965. Uh, email me at TSU. So that's kavilljk at tsu.edu about the Bachelor of Science and Sport Management program here at Texas Southern University. And before I let everybody know about my website, who I am, remind all the listeners, of course, that we are looking for sponsors of these fantastic podcasts. So uh, you can get in touch with the Wildcat, get in touch with Doc, or you can reach me at HoustonRoundBarReview.com or T-H-E-H-R-R.com. I got some good news on that. I talked to the other business people at THG Agency, and they look like they're on board. They like what's going on here. So I think they're going to come in through a sponsorship. So I'll get you some commercial uh, information for that and see if we can move forward. Hopefully we can get some other people on board as well. Fantastic, fantastic. Thank you for that great news there. Doc, I'm on Twitter at T-H-E-H-R-Review, Houston Round Bar Review on YouTube, Houston Round Bar Review on Instagram. The podcasts are on Facebook with our podcast page, KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat, and Doc Podcast on Facebook. So there's lots of different ways to uh, listen to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, lots of different ways to access our information and insight from the blogs and websites and the Twitterverse and etc. Thank you as always for listening. Gentlemen, the ACC announced that they are going to distribute or distributed a record $291 million in total revenue for the 2013-14 fiscal year. That's an increase of at almost... The ACC? The ACC. That's an increase of almost $57 million over the previous year. And I know and you got this somewhere in the, in the, in the back points, drawbacks of your, of your brain. And that's your brain. Has 15 uh, teams what, now. What did the uh, SEC roll out as far as? They were they were the third best, but that'll change after this new ESPN yeah. SEC. Each of the conferences generated over three hundred million dollars, except for the Big Ten, but it's only uh, I mean the Big Twelve, it's only ten members, but they're still going to distribute on par to each of their schools about twenty some million dollars. Twenty three million before the school starts out. So you had the highest at, uh, with the Pac twelve, which was at like three hundred thirty nine million. Uh, you had mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Big Ten at like three nineteen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like you said the AC is like three fourteen. Mm-hmm. SEC, so they're all million dollars. So essentially, I, the way I put it together, you have five conferences that are generating over a billion dollars a year that they're splitting between sixty five teams. It's a beautiful thing if you can have it. That's true. What happened to the distribution? And to, p- and to that's why these coaches now coming in with five million dollars. That's the next oh, thing. Oh, 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 but to piggyback what you just said about. The power conferences 
generating a billion, almost a billion and a half dollars. BYU's football coach, <laughs> Bronco Mendenhall, bless him. He wants a quote, part of it. Quote, we would love to be in the Big 12, end quote. I would love to be a member of that conference. I think that would make a lot of sense. Now, three years ago, the Big 12 and BYU were in discussions, and the Big 12 decided to go TCU in West Virginia. But now Bronco realizes that uh, he's going to try again, and he wishful thinking. But apparently the Big 12 is already, according to the American statesman in Austin, that uh, Big 12 is not interested in BYU joining the conference. They're not interested in anybody right now. But they but do have some teams that they're looking at. That will change, yes. And it's just a matter of time, folks. Uh, I don't think a matter of time. Only time that you'll see them really go for expansion uh, is going to be when it's time to renew a TV contract. Because it really doesn't benefit them much to do expansion now because you got more miles to feed when you bring it in. If you can't generate revenue on top of that, what each school is getting, as you said, the 22, 23, mm-hmm. 20, 23 million. 23 million. If you have more miles to feed, what you're going to distribute to each school becomes smaller. The only way you get more money is what? Is that you renegotiate the contract. So the first time you'll see expansion is when it's time or open window to their contract to renegotiate it. Some of them have clauses in there which allows them to renegotiate the contract. So if they're going to do that, that's when you'll see this as an opportunity. There's one major problem that BYU has, and it's the reason why they really were not involved in the Pac-12 expansion because they have an excellent academic institution, but they don't play games on Saturday. Sunday. 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 On Sunday because of the religion component. And uh, to their credit, um, they really don't want to move on that. That was a declining factor when it came to picking between Utah, BYU, and Colorado is the fact that they didn't want to have to deal with the schedule issues there. So that's why when he made the statement, it was more about football coming into the conference. And I'm not sure how happy the Big 12 is going to look at having them in as just a football-only member. That, that Those things have kind of gone to the wayside. Right. And when we talk about HBC sports to tie that in, those that have some interest in there, is that FAMU is on the table looking at their their athletic affiliation, uh, whether they should remain in the MEAC because they're having a huge problem with the finances of how much uh, sports are costing them. They have like a $7 million deficit in terms of athletic costs. A lot of institutions have that that are below these big uh, five that we're talking about. But I'll tie this in from the standpoint that one of the things they put out there would be independent in football and have a membership in Atlantic Sun, which is a non-football component Con- yeah. conference. Mm-hmm. So to some degree it might work there, but you're going to find out it's hard to survive in its independence. It's the reason why Notre Dame found a way to somewhat try to stay independent right. but still get the conference membership in every other sport. And even football, they are basically a hybrid independent. They play five games in the ACC. There's no way you can call it independent. They'll try to sell it that way. But they know to schedule and survive in this loose landscape with the playoff bid, but you can't do that. And that's why BYU would put out the statement that they love to be in the Big 12. But that's why I said that's really a, a forestry if you look at all the components it would take. And while the Big 12 will say that they're looking at expansions, uh, unfortunately for those teams that are on the outside looking in, I wouldn't get too excited about it. And what's going to drive expansion when it comes 
is new market territory. Television sets in new market territory. And so that's where it gets dirty, if you would say, and difficult to look at that. But what's interesting, when we just talked about all those $300 million, that's really where you're getting this antitrust issue from. But they can't help themselves. they got to take that money. And that's why you have these issues and lawsuits that are talking about antitrust. You cannot operate in this business platform where folks start to calling you out when the money gets so big that it's obvious. And so that's why at the end of the day, I think that greed is basically going to destroy the original model and concept that they had of amateurism and now what they want to call the collegiate model. It's going to fall by the wayside for the big five which is going to be interesting to see how does that turn around when the other institutions are looked for. You know, I just sent you the the book that I'm in with a chapter of essays that looks at these uh, difficult questions and issues, which is Race in American Sports, which is essays by uh, James L. Conyers Jr. And I had a essay in there that looked at uh, a question that a lot of people have, which is the case for Tennessee State as an expansion member of the SWAC economic impact. So those are interesting things that you want to see again in the case for Tennessee State as an expansion member of the SWAC economic impact. So that's something interesting to think about. And before we get into uh World Cup discussion, I don't want to dismiss, but it looks like barring a tremendous comeback, which it did earlier this week, that uh, my Cougars baseball season is going to come to an end at the hands of the dreaded Texas Longhorns. What well, yeah, usually we don't give upset uh, updates, but I, I got to hear hey, what, just, is the up, just, what is the update here since it's it's, so, it's in the seventh inning now. Longhorns about to the bottom of the seventh. Yeah, Longhorns since we're talking about nothing. college World Series, mm-hmm. we it, yeah, it's fair to give an update. Yeah, uh, lead uh, for nothing. They oh, just, wow. So they have a chance to, you to just wrap put their, up their left-handed reliever in. So we don't care about all that stuff, man. Well,なんていうわけ。みんなね。いや、いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、いや。いや、
get you, you know, you could be some errors, but things being what, you know, what they are, you got to look at it as a season that was well run. You know, you did, you had some ups and downs. It was a roller coaster ride for them, especially midway during the season. But they found a stretch and found what they do well and went to the conference tournament on the road and kicked butt. And, you know, and Cougar fans, Cougar alumni, you should not be happy. You, the, the team did a hell of a job. You got to, it seemed like you got the right guy in charge and they've turned the corner and looking out to swing wide and swing far. Now you got to look at another situation that's about to arise. Take it, yeah. I was waiting for you to get onto this. So yeah, go to this. Facilities. You have got you, you. You boxed in, but you got to figure out the way to add at least five hundred to a thousand permanent permanent seats on both the first and the third baseline. Yeah, I was going to say. I was, gonna, I was about to say total about two thousand seats, really. And because you don't have any way of putting temporaries up at all, and to cut those trees down out in that outfield. I think would be a, a, a disservice to the neighborhood and to the stadium to what gives it its, 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 appeal. Uh, its, its appeal. Because when you the guys always look, they look up and says, "Hey, I put one over at McDonald's. Yeah, put one across the street. You know, I just knock one to the trees. That, that's saying a lot." I, I do agree with you that it's going to be significant to be able to get those additional seats so you can bid for the opportunity to host these regionals if your team is going to continue to play us. Difference, and if you look statistically, uh, you'll find out that those teams that traditionally move forward often have the home field advantage, particularly when you get to the super regional areas. Yeah, and both teams had the same ranking coming in the uh, in Texas, uh, along with the money, but the facility allowed them to be able to be in a position to get that. Right, and and, 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 and I won't say this, I won't say this often, but. Because but, I am a but, diehard Cougar alum. But, and Garrido said earlier but, when it came down to a bid process, we're going oh, to yeah. see you in Austin. Because he knew it's a money thing. UT was going to yeah. have a better facilities and, and, and money and but, all those things. But, 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 but what I was going to say is... They were able to guarantee something. Hold, right. hold on. Think about this. I was just going to say, think about this, though. We just talked about how much money they get in from... Individual as a conference, you're talking about $23 million that, that they have guaranteed right, coming in. Right. And they knew they were going to sell that place out, basically. Right. But look at the exposure they're going to get by going to the College World Series. So it was worth being able to do it. But the problem is, if, as what you're talking about, if you don't have the facilities, uh, it's much more difficult to, to pay that money up because the return that you're going to get on it is going to be more difficult to have. So it's, it's kind of like the chicken and the egg. And you have to get that component to do it. And what I was going to say is, Cougars need to, and it's not going to change my disdain for them, but the Cougar alums need to do a better job of being like the Longhorn alums. We do have some alums who are wealthy. True. But we need to stop the disconnect and stop burning the bridges on the, those alums that we have in the past. Very well said. And get that money and support the facilities athletically. And then also spend that money academically. We're on the, the train to become tier one, all these great things academically that the President Couture has done. But if we want to be with the big boys, yeah. you need to act like it. You got to dance. Yep, you got to dance. You got to dance. You can't be scared. You can't be scared. You can't be scared. What's important to do that if you ever want to get in a position where you're going to get the television money 
particularly with the financial commitment that U of H has made to this point, it's kind of hard to stop. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got to keep that rolling. You can't let it slow down. You I'm not saying that. that I necessarily agree that you put all the money in, in the first place. That's a whole different well, true, question. True. And, and I will succeed to those academically that would suggest otherwise. And oftentimes I'd actually agree. But once you kind of get in that position financially where you put so much commitment towards it and you want to get in the conference like the Big 12 such that you can become part of the revenue generating program and not necessarily have to worry about it, you're going to have to financially make that commitment and hope and create an environment where it's very difficult for them not to bring it. Yes, exactly. And Wrap it up before we get into the World Cup real okay. quick. Okay, let me, let me do this right. The, the um, uh, winners, have, this bracket has been set now for who's playing who next weekend starting in Omaha. Uh, the Austin uh, Super Regional winner will play. Longhorns, most will, likely. Will play the uh, uh, Stillwater uh, winner, which will be UCR Ryan, the one out of UCR Ryan and Oklahoma State. State. Uh, but Oklahoma State went when it leading that series one oh I mean losing the, yeah, the, one game uh, down. You, they yeah, they won down and down. Uh Irvine is, is, is up one. Uh then it's it's paired off with uh the Louisville Super Regional against Nashville Super Regional, which is uh go Stanford. Na- uh and Vanderbilt is up one and Louisville is up in the other. Uh against Kennesaw State. Mm-hmm. Uh then you have the Against who? Kennesaw State. Exactly. Outside Kennesaw Atlanta, State. Uh-huh. Moved up from there. There you go. Two. Thank you. There you go. They're in a baseball hotbed. They, they, so you, all things got to work out. Atlanta Brave Program. Atlanta Brave Program. That's all I'm saying. And they were actually leading the game yesterday before it fell apart late. So and then you're, very solid see, You can do that in baseball. Yeah. And okay. the reason much easier in baseball. The reason is is because the scholarship limitation. Uh, friend Ryan McGinty put this out on the board. The other day, talking about it, and people didn't realize why could some HBCUs, as you've seen them do the upset with Lafayette that's playing this weekend, defeated them and held Mississippi State. Those two teams actually battled to get into the Super Region, held them to a 4 1 loss. Uh, and even, Talk about Jackson State. Yeah, Jackson yeah. State, thank you, HBCU program. And part of that, as Ryan McGinty said, uh, of Previa A&M University, Sports he Information right. Director. He all right. He all right. Whatever. Give him a little love. Yeah, whatever. There, whatever. Is the fact that he talked about you had 11.7 scholarships. And I I agree with him from this standpoint. Is that reason that they're asking for some of that autonomy is I think one of the first things they're going to do is they're going to increase those baseball scholarships so y'all won't be able to play these games in Texas anymore. They don't want their games to be that close. <laughs> so y'all won't upset that. LSU. They're going to try to do the let, part. Let me, and let me finish this out. Uh, the uh, Fort Worth Super Regional will play the winner of the uh, 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 Lubbock Super Regional. And, and right now, it's uh, uh, their, their game started today. Their, their, their first game started today, and it's College of Charleston. Texas Tech won their game one Texas Tech. Oh, well, then, hey, everybody mm-hmm. needs to go. I'm saying it like, like I said it last week. Everybody needs to go to Lubbock at least one. Nope, because it's Lubbock. Yeah, I'm with you, Chris. Everybody needs to go nope, to Lubbock. Nope, it's Lubbock. I already been my one time. I'm not going back. Yeah. You're not going back? <laughs> okay. okay. As and, and then the last one is uh, the Lafayette. I mean, the... Uh, and hopefully they won't overpay the me and try to make me come. Yeah. The Charlottesville uh, Super Regional will play the one out of the Lafayette Super Regional. 
And folks, it's going to be for an interesting uh, next, uh, week, first weekend of the College World Series in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, as somebody that has gone to both a Little League World Series, a college a college women's World Series, and a college men's World Series, wow. at least one. Yes, I've been blessed. I've been blessed. That's all right. And I'm gonna tell you, it's it's and it's different. It's different. Uh, you you approach it different, and you sit in the actually you can sit in the stands and just watch. You been to uh? And I bet you stand out, don't you? No, you been, I don't. You been to MLB World Series? I have. Uh, yes. Here. Yeah. You don't you don't stand out in any of those I, three I, events? I don't. You said that you tell me I, in media media boxes that you are not. You don't. And you know the reason why? Because of the fact that. Think about who comes and cover those games. That's at the pinnacle. They bring in now, it, 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 especially on the on the uh, little league. There's always somebody that looks like me, only because of that neighbor, uh, the involvement of, of the players and all that come back and put time That's in good. and all that and, uh, into helping out with the teams and stuff. And but I'm these are uh, these are all national. But you don't see many of the local media. No, is uh-huh. what you're referring to, right. Chris. Oh, no, you see people. There. No, you have national media, which and has done a very good job of diversifying their platform. And I, and I like ESPN, ACN. So I give them much credit doing that. It's the local and regional state areas where you we still have some problems. Yeah, with it's the diversity and inclusion. And issues I, with getting uh people of color. Uh, let's and talk about and, 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 and I'll be finished with this. We're going long. I will. Uh, I'll attribute that to baseball being baseball, and they, they they're still. A, we'll bring a, this up next week in the college world series. There we go. There we go. There we go. There we go. Let's that talk. Works. Let's sure talk World Cup. As promised, in numerous podcasts, I talked about uh, having one of my coworkers as a guest analyst to discuss the upcoming World Cup. We're going to do that right now. I'm joined by my coworker, colleague, and friend Fausto Cruz. How are you, sir? Hey, good. I'm really good. Uh, thanks for the invitation, and I want to say hi to the KG, Doc, and, and Will Cat podcast because I'm I'm really a fan of that podcast. Thanks for your invitation. My pleasure. Let's get right into it. You want to talk about um, United States group first, or it's it's your show. I'm going to let you di- dictate how you want to talk about it. What do you want to talk about first? Well, I have some facts about the 2014 World Cup, and I want to share some of them with you. For example, we have the World Cup will be on this 2014 edition. There will be 32 nations or teams, eight groups. The host is Brazil and plays will be in 12 different cities. The weather will be around 30 Celsius, which is not good for the European team, but it's good for there's another city who is Porto Alegre. It, it will be around 19 Celsius. I don't remember how, how much is like Celsius to Fahrenheit, but I, I mean, we can do the conversion. That's cold. <laughs> That's cold, right? Isn't that, isn't that cold? Well, 19 Celsius is cold, but it's not like the European weather, you know, but it's pretty much uh, close. And then it's been 1.1 million tickets who have, had been lo- allocated to fans and the prices are from 69 euros to the final game 750 euros and USA, England and Germany are the three first places that they bought a lot of tickets to be there and Brazil have won the World Cup a record of five times, Italy four times, 
Germany three times, Argentina three, and England, France, and Spain just one. And there's more teams. But uh, the Brazil mascot name is Fuleco, and it's an armadillo. And the official ball will be Bazooka from Adidas. Uh, the kickoff will be Thursday, 12 June at 5 p.m. We need to adjust the clocks and, you know, the, the, the time zone and all that kind of things. And the average of goals on the 2010 FIFA World Cup was 145 in 64 matches. It's 2.3 goals every game. And the favorites to win the World Cup will be Brazil at the first place and Germany second. And pretty close like Argentina and Spain. And each nation will have 23 players on his roster and three goalkeepers and 20 outfield players. And we will say goodbye to the Bubusella. Do you remember the, yeah. those noisy stuff? Sure do. Okay, well, then, but now we'll have, they, they will be replaced by Caxirola. It's like kind of Maracas. Do you know Maracas? Well, it's like, it's like that. And the World Cup will be broadcasting to 200 countries. They will have 150 referees. And the total prize money will be $154 million. They will divide it. They don't know how, but that should be. And what about the nations? Can you help me just to, to say the, the nations and the continent that will be participant? Sure. We got uh, from South America, we have Argentina. Colombia, Ecuador, Chile, and Uruguay, CONCACAF, USA, well, I love USA, 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 <laughs> Costa Rica, Honduras, and Mexico, which where Fausto's from, yeah. Asia, Japan, Australia, Iran, South Korea, Africa, Nigeria, the Arabic Coast, Cameroon, Ghana, and Algeria, Europe, the Netherlands, Italy, Belgium, Switzerland, Germany, Russia, Bosnia, England, Spain, Greece, Portugal, Croatia, and France. Now let me get your thoughts on the two groups that are near and dear to your heart and my heart. Let's talk about uh, Group G, where uh, the U.S. is uh, in a, is, a, is a member of and is divided into eight groups. You said four countries in each group. The U.S. is in a tough group. They're with uh, Ghana, Germany. And Portugal, give me your thoughts on Group G. Yeah, well, pretty much, I think that Germany will be the first place, and Portugal the second place, and then USA. I mean, it, it will be really hard, and we don't have Landon Donovan, which we we will be talking about that in in a couple of minutes. But I mean, I think that it will be a really hard time for the USA team. I mean, I'm now in in US. Right. And, and USA living, and then I, I think that, uh, I mean, I'm with the US team, you know, but I, I'm not have uh, really good expectations about that, but we'll see. And then there's some players, they will be absent for the World Cup, and they are really, uh, they, they, I mean, we, we're going to miss them for that World Cup. And then, for example, we have uh, the from Colombia, Radames Falcao, he will not be playing. And we have uh, the Dutch, who is Van der Bart. He will not be playing. We will not have Gareth Bale from the Real Madrid. That guy cost like 
132 million dollars, but he played for Wales, and Wales has has not made to the World Cup since 1958. And then that's really a great absence there. And Ibrahimovic played from Sweden, and Sweden lost with Portugal. We will not have Ibrahimovic too. And Carlos Tevez from Argentina will not be there. That's weird, but well, things happen. And the star from all the time from the USA will not be there. Landon Donovan, uh, Klisman announced he was considering Donovan as a forward on the game, but everybody thinks that it was kind of a freak because Donovan plays as a midfield, but then Klisman tried to to put it on the uh, like a forward position. And on that way, it was easier to cut him from that position because it's more crowded there. And, well, uh, we will have pretty much like, uh, can you, do, do you know some names from the roster or some people from the roster, the USA roster? Let's, let's, let's get, let me get your thoughts on um, Landon Donovan not being on the team. Uh, Wildcat, I know for sure, in our last podcast, I think you touched on, that he wasn't surprised and he thought it was a good move. So do you think it was a smart move to uh, cut Donovan and not have him on this, this World Cup roster? You know what? I mean, I, I, I think that for me, for my opinion, is the worst thing that Placeman is doing now. Because, for example, we have a declaration from Clint Dempsey and he said that we were surprised that Donovan was cut from the World Cup team. And, I mean, the... If you think about that, there's no even a good reason because you can say that he's old, but he's not old. He's 32 years old. Yeah. And you can say, I mean, we have a, a, some declarations from uh, from Donovan and the, uh, the reporter is asking, are you mad? And he's saying, I'm not mad. I'm sad because I worked very hard to have this opportunity to play in the World Cup, just like the others. But sometimes decisions don't, don't go in your favor. But, and... They ask, what did you, what did Georgian say to you? What were his reasons? And then he said that they talk about that in, in private. And he just told Donovan, you will not go. And then uh, he respect that opinion. But it's interesting because, I mean, it, I, honestly, I, I, I have to tell you, but I hate Donovan because he scored <laughs> a lot of, goals to Mexico and he, sometimes he he did a mockery style uh, you know celebrating goals and everything and I'm on the uh, I'm one of the haters of Donovan but he did receive a lot of Facebook messages about the people he's telling like hey we hate you and we we hate you but we will miss you as a player because you are a special player and the special players must be there and then there was like, uh, for example, we have in Mexico, I don't know if you remember, there's a player whose name is Carlos Vela. That guy plays from the Real Sociedad. But that was different. Mexico was begging, like, please, came to play. And we begged like more than maybe one year. And he was like, well, I'm not sure, maybe next time. And he was avoiding all of the opportunities. But then the last thing that Miguel Herrera, who is the, the coach from uh, Mexico, he fly with the, all the, the federation. They cross the Atlantic to hand him a spot for the World Cup. And what the, the response of this guy was, no thanks. 
But look at the difference. I think that you will do that for your start, you know, because it's not about you as a coach. It's not your style. It's not your the way that I like to play. It's about that if you have a start, how can you don't use a start? I mean, if you look at the roster from the United States, from the USA team, it's like, I mean, I can't find anybody with the 50% of the ability of Landon Donovan there, you know. And then I think that the Klinsman message is clear and he's telling everybody that, you know what, that's the German style. It's not the USA style anymore. It's not the Stars style anymore. But even the good teams need, need the, the Stars, you know. And I think that he's doing that because he's trying to play like uh, no Stars on the team and then he don't want to depend from a person. And I think that pretty much we, you will depend on Donovan as a star on the USA team. But I mean, even the experience that he he got in, in, in other World Cups, even the, the experience that he can, uh, I mean, he can help a lot of the new players, players that never been there before. You know, I mean, it's really important to have a person like that. And he he's not like, okay, he will be like uh, subs, uh, substitute. He, he will not be there, you know, not even in the bench. And then you can say that he's old because he's not old. You can say that he's not fast. Yeah, that's overall, I understand why Klinsman cut Landon. But as you just touched on, I would have thought at the very least that have him come off the bench, have Landon come off the bench as a sub because you could use that experience in the big time inter- international competition like the World Cup. And that's that little boost of energy, that expertise, that goal scoring ability that he could provide off the bench, I think could be, could have been beneficial to the United States team. But the decision is made. Um, what are your thoughts? I mean, Josie Altador had a great year last year. And then overseas, he's got to sign a new contract. He did nothing in his team over in Europe. I think he scored one goal the entire season. He's a big disappointment. Do you think, how important is Josie Altidore going to be to the U.S. having any success in the World Cup? Well, you know what? The only star that I can see here in the USA roster right now is Clint Dempsey. He's the only one. I mean, Altidore is like, he's not a really good player anymore. I mean, he's... uh, Tough guy, he's, uh, I, I can say that he's strong, but he, I mean, I, I don't think that none, even Clint Dempsey has a mental ability like Donovan, you know, to, because they, uh, for me, Donovan has a visualization of the field that nobody has, you know, he knows how can he put the ball, I mean, behind the defense or, he knows how to, to make the team play really good. And I think that Klinsmann don't want that. He, he he wants another style, like the German style. There's a, a player in, in Germany whose name is Fossil. And that guy, that guy was brilliant, but if you that guy went to the Real Madrid. And in the Real Madrid, he's like more like a, just like a regular player. He's not a star. And then I think that that was... Klinsmann wants to do, he don't want the stars, he wants a really good players and solid players, you know. And he wants to depend on uh, more than a strategy and another kind of style. But, I mean, I, I 
Honestly, Altidore for me, uh, it's, I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure about that. I mean, the only start that I can see here is Clint Dempsey. And I don't know. I, I, I'm really disappointed about that. And even I'm a Mexican, you know? <laughs> and that's fine. And of course, since you and I played soccer last summer, a person I relate to you on the U.S. team is Tim Howard because we play the same position. Yeah. He just plays it much better than me as a goalkeeper than I did last summer when I was being bombarded by balls flying at my face left and right in our matches. But I think Tim Howard is, has experience. But you talked about it earlier. In Group G, you don't, see the, you don't see the U.S. getting out of Group G. You don't see the U.S. advancing to the round, round of 16, right? I mean, because you have the favorites in Group G, obviously, are Germany and Portugal. U.S.'s first matches against uh, Ghana, they have to win that match, get those three points to give them any shot of advance to the second round. Agree? Yeah, well, when you talk about the, the, the I mean, the, the, the teams, for example, you talk about the start, for example, you, you know the start from Portugal, whose name is Cristiano Ronaldo, and then you say Portugal, Cristiano Ronaldo, you say uh, Brazil, that should be Neymar, and then you say uh, USA, and you always will say Captain America, and then you know, uh, but now I, I'm honestly I'm I think that uh, maybe USA can can got maybe uh, I mean they can defeat Ghana, and I think that they they can have a, maybe a a, a draw with uh, Portugal, you know, and then with Germany will not be as easy, <laughs> you know, and I'm not sure. I think that it will be a, a really a group, very a hard group, and it will be very close. Uh, by the points, but I honestly I can see USA the second round <laughs> because I mean it's obviously Germany will be I mean it's, it's the favorite even to, to to win the World Cup you know and then Portugal sometimes Cristiano Ronaldo or Messi sometimes from Argentina they are not in the best position and that's the reason is because they don't have the they, they are not surrounded from other stars like in Real Madrid you know or Messi in Barcelona, and then they try to, they take the burden of, from all the team on on, his, on her show, on the, the shoulders, you know. And then, well, I, I'm not sure about that, but I, I mean, I honestly want that USA make a really good, uh, a, a really good um, competition, but I will not give my, I, I, you know, <laughs> I, I I hope to, but I don't want. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. No, I think you're. I think you're right. I think the chances, the U.S. chances of getting to the second round are not not great. Give me your thoughts on your home country in Group A, Mexico. What do you think their chances are with Brazil, the favorite? Brazil. Who do you think? Okay, Brazil and Germany are the two favorites to win the World Cup, in your opinion. So in Group A, you got Brazil, Croatia, Cameroon, and Mexico. Your thoughts on Group A? Well, I'm. I'm going to tell you that the Group A is really easy from Mexico, but not now, because Mexico will be, I mean, it's, Mexico can defeat Croatia or Cameroon, but not now, because they they lost the the midfield player, uh, and, the, and that guy had a, a broken leg on the preparation game, and then, I mean, we we don't have a creative a creative people on the midfield now and then that's I mean you can see that yeah uh, you can see that uh, for example there's no uh, a midfield creation on the Mexican team 
and then I mean it, it will be really easy if Brazil to won the first the first match and then Mexico against Brazil will be lost you know the <laughs> the game but uh, Croatia and Cameroon they, they are really good opportunities but I honestly I right now I'm not sure about that and we have the Chicharito do you know Chicharito Javier Hernandez uh, is like uh, is not playing on, on Manchester United like he's totally out of shape he's not in a good moment now and we just have Oribe Peralta and that's it I mean there's another guy I mean Giovanni Dos Santos he's doing a, a good job but I think that uh, after the Mexican team the the preparation for the World Cup the qualification was really bad that we we were like uh, USA saves from you know from not not going to the World Cup and from just one goal and thanks for that USA <laughs> and then I mean I, I'm not sure too but I think that Brazil will be the first with no problem and then Cameroon I mean it's solid and Croatia is really solid Mexico uh, lost yesterday no yesterday I think it was yesterday against Bosnia. And then I think that Mexico will not gonna make it. I mean, it's not gonna make it. I mean, I I wish to, but if I'm really, you know, like I I will not have any expectations about that because of the situation. We're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, World Cup starts June twelfth. Brazil's the home country, host country, the favorite. They're gonna play in the first match on the twelfth. But Fausto, give me your thoughts. You're a fan of of football. We call soccer in America, but just give the listeners an idea of how important the World Cup is to throughout the rest of the world. Well, you know what? We, I, I was always thinking about that. For example, you have baseball here, and it's the king of the sports, right? How do you call baseball the king of diamond? No, the diamond. Uh, well, football is national pastime now. Baseball used to be the national pastime, but I know you talk about baseball. Oh yeah, no, I, 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 I was telling that because I mean, you call the king of the sports baseball, and it's even the diamond, or you know, the right. field. And I mean, honestly, USA thinks that. Uh, here is the best sports, and, and you have, you know, the old best kind of competitions and sports. But the thing with the world, the World Cup, like everybody will have the opportunity to 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 share and support uh, her national team, your national team, you know. And then that's really good. That's the reason because more than 200 countries will be broadcasting the World Cup, and it's really exciting. I mean, it's fun here at USA because. It's like you, you say, hey, hey, you ask somebody, hey, do you like the World Cup? It's going to start, oh, who is playing? Uh, the Dynamo? Is the Dynamo playing? Or uh, what teams? Uh, from Europe? From, you know, I mean, it's different. It's not a, a really good culture, but that's the only sport that we have in South America and most of the countries. We are not really good at the Olympic Games, you know, and then we are focused on that. But most of the world is focused on that, too, and then... That's the reason because the World Cup will be, for the rest of the world, <laughs> will be a really huge event. And here, I'm, I think that the soccer uh, the soccer is growing here in USA too. And then uh, I hope with the Klinsmann uh, after the World Cup, I think that everybody will be really interested in, in knowing more about soccer. And I hope so, but I mean, I love soccer, you know. 
He does love soccer. He convinced me to be goalkeeper last year, for the, even though I never played goalkeeper in my life. But he does love, love soccer. And, and surprisingly, a lot of us, a lot of our coworkers here at the company like soccer. And we're going to, we're making plans to, during lunch, go watch some of the matches on TV. So we are big fans of the sport. Uh, we're looking forward to the, to the World Cup. We're going to talk smack back and forth. I'm going to make fun of Fausto when Mexico loses. And I'm sure he'll make fun of me when the United States loses. And it, But honestly, I think both countries, both teams, the U.S. team and Mexico team, don't have a very good chance of getting to the, to the second round. I think we'll, we'll be watching the second round with kind of disappointed when both our teams are at home with us and everybody else is advanced to the second round. But I want to thank you very much. Well, first, I want to thank you for listening to the podcast. He is a big supporter of the podcast. Thank you very much for listening and, and downloading and, and your support. Thank you for your insight in the World Cup today. And um, World Cup starts June 12th. Look forward to it. Thanks again. Well, thanks to you for the invitation. And again, I, I want to say uh, hi to the Duck, <laughs> the Wildcat, and to you. Thanks for And we will be ready for the next game. And we will see what's going on. Thank you. Thanks, Fausto. Back to you guys. But yeah, World Cup. This is folks. Somebody's gonna be sitting in there some, people some really strange, strange, strange looking stadiums. From what I saw, now, well, but but Chris, but as group as, of death. Yes, as discussed, <laughs> as as me and and, and uh, my my coworker Fausto Cruz discussed. He had. A I group. don't see any chance of the U.S. getting out of Group G. I didn't Germany either, and but I will say with the injury of Ralph, that may be just that tad bit of help, the midfielder, very... Doc, I would have said playing. that, but when I heard it explained... Germany's so deep, though, Doc. They are. deep and talented. But I really think this is I don't less think about them getting out of that to making a World Cup run is what they really want to do out of this. They thought they were going to be in position as the run they made four years ago in terms of getting into that uh, lead eight out. Mm. They thought this was a chance for them to kind of recapture the cup. And I do say that I do believe that they will get out of this, as I kid you. Uh, seriously, I think they'll get out with Portugal out of this um, group, the group of death. But I think them making a serious run at a World Cup is not re- reality. Yeah, I think uh, I think his, a, his injury will... will so so you're looking at, them the, going looking at the World Cup... Uh, Going to a European team instead of a uh, no, I think it's going to be Brazil's to lose. I really think it's going to be Brazil's to lose with that fan base trying to oh. make up with the ghost that they lost oh. that World Cup uh, 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 some sixty years ago. Now I guess it is uh, so long ago. The years keep up. I think they're really going to fight. They played well uh, a couple of years getting getting to it, and I think the players are just going to be ready with the fan support. Obviously, they're pretty much easily going to get out that group. I think so. Making it into Elite Eight is going to be pretty straightforward for them. Mm-hmm. And once mm-hmm. you get to that point, it's really going to start to galvanize. The other teams that you want to look at is obviously Germany to some degree. They're so deep, they're still going to make a run. You have the best player, arguably, in the world with Portugal. Um, so you have to give them some credit. Uh, he's questioned about a little bit about an injury, but I think he's going to be... You're talking about Ronaldo. Ronaldo, yeah. I think he's going to be safe and he's going to be all right. So you got to look at them seriously. Italy is always defensively above everybody else. Uh, so there's some questions there. Uh, but I think those are the type of teams that you got to look at taking it on. On the outside out, on the outside in, uh, being in South America, you got to give a little love to Argentina. Sure. They have arguably the greatest player 
out there that obviously doesn't get the kind of love that uh, in his home country that a lot of Mario uh, uh, players have gotten in the past. So I, I look at him uh, to keep an eye on him as well. So World Cup starts June 12th, as mentioned in our segment, my segment with Fausto. Um, I'm looking forward to it. It's not as the popularity here in the States is growing. It's nowhere as big as uh, I think it will be. And I think as long as Jurgen Klinsmann is coaching the national team for the United States, um, U.S. will get better. Cause he's, he, you, know, he, you know what? I like his bluntness. His, his I, coaching I like philosophy his bluntness. Is, is European. And, and, then, and, and, I, and I think, and it's more team oriented. And right. I think that's going to help uh, the U.S. get better. No question. In the next World Cup. But what I really like what he's doing is what necessary to put the United States in a position to make a serious run. He's reevaluating what they're doing at the youth level. Yes. Right. Junior level. Uh, and trying to get better quality of students. And one other component that he's doing is something that's been done around the world is when you have a lot of these people that have dual citizenship and play soccer as if we have people in urban communities playing the game of football and basketball. Right. And in in a lot of ways, also baseball from different ethnic backgrounds, he's taking that from an international pitch where people play soccer at that level and they see this pitch. And he's, those that have that dual Citizenship, he's asking them and recruiting them very early uh, to consider playing the United States. And so you create that talent pool of both those players that have been developed in the U.S. from a very strategic mindset versus those that are very talented in terms of skill, involvement, and are hungry uh, from deprivation of other things. And he's putting that pool together and he's starting at the base level. I think that's important. And one of those... Uh, dual citizenship people of Julian Green, 18 year old young man who chose America uh, rather than Germany. So he probably won't play much in this right. 2014 World Cup, but he is definitely a name to to yeah. uh, keep your eye on uh, for 2018. Yeah, if you really want to look at what the United States is doing here, it's hard for Americans to maybe see this. Uh, those true soccer fans, they understand this, I think. This is a platform for this team to really get prepared for the World Cup for four years. Yes. Gentlemen, thank you as always. One, to wrap it up, how can folks find you, sir? Wildcat? You can find me online at uh, Twitter, TweetDeck, Blogger, blogs, uh, and YouTube, AKSV, VCSR, on Facebook and Twitter at JLWoodley1. Uh, you can also reach all of us at uh, at our uh, uh, Facebook fa- Facebook uh, with uh, with our blog uh, podcast and also on uh, the uh, HoustonRoundBallReview dot com dot com. Doc, real quick, I'm looking for Brazil to get it done. The beautiful game that they'll play. I, I'm fascinated. I love the World Cup. I'm all excited for it. But you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, D-R-K-E-N-Y-E-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. And lastly, I'm KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Website is HoustonRoundBallReview.com, also T-H-E-H-R-R.com. Wrap it up, as I always do. In conclusion, 
be true, be cool, and do more.